trying to figure this out because I'm sick of it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm happy about the win, but I'm not happy in the fashion that we, we wanted in. We're better than that. We really are better than that. And uh, we got to start showing that. I'm, I'm a, I expect to win. And I expect to win in a better fashion than that. I'm, I'm sick of these consistent holes that we're displaying and the, the penalties and the, the things that we're doing. We're so much better. I apologize for, for my anger today, but I don't accept mediocrity. Maybe you do. Maybe you can live with it. Maybe you sleep with it. Maybe you lie with it. Maybe you're comfortable with it, but I'm not. Let's go. Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Mustard the publisher of BuffStampede.com. Joined again by football analyst William Gardner to recap Colorado's trip down to Arizona State. William, I got to tell you, Buff Nation was out in full support on that road trip. It reminded me kind of of the opening game in the airport, traveling out and traveling back. Just so much support from Colorado fans, and you couldn't go anywhere with over without overhearing conversations about Colorado related topics. My daughter and I, she got to come along because uh, my mother, her grandmother lives down in Arizona, but you know, folks are debating Shadur Sanders on the shuttle going to the car rental place and uh, just a different vibe on the road. Now there weren't as many people that travel out to Oregon. I think Eugene's a little bit harder to get to. And uh, you know, maybe that was a tougher, more expensive game to go to, but uh, it's been cool to see the, the enthusiasm out there. Yeah, and, you know, let's be honest, probably people expected a, a better outcome in, in, at Arizona State, too. So that might have something to do with it, but, but a lot closer. And uh, it's exciting to hear that. I mean, you know, you watch, you look, watch it on the game and, and you know, it looked like it was a lot of maroon stands. So they didn't really show. Well, I guess they did kind of, now I think about it, show quite a few CU fans there at the game. It's nice to know that some people are happy about the buffs. You read the board and it doesn't seem like it. So I don't know. Uh, it's good to hear that there's excitement out there and that people really are thrilled about what's going on. Yeah, no, there's a lot to talk about from this football game. Uh, maybe we'll start uh, before the game even kicked off and talk about the anonymous Pac-12 assistant coach quote that was out there, uh, which was put out by The Athletic, which kind of surprised me, William. Sources are important in sports writing. Yeah. But to see a quote like that where – and I'll read it real quick for the folks out there that, that haven't seen it yet. I'm sure most have quote. I think they rack up. I think they want to rack up some stats for Shador. He really holds on to the ball a long time. I think he takes sacks because he doesn't want to affect his completion percentage. He's playing a little different than he did earlier in the season. Uh, so that was the quote that was out there by the athletic and a lot of people ran with it. Yeah. You know, there's there's no question that at times Shador has held on to the ball too long because he's trying to make a play. Uh, but what a ridiculous thing to say that he's not well. That he's, that he's taking ten yard losses so that his yeah. completion percentage doesn't go down. Well, you know, my 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 gut reaction was to to say something else, but but for, first of all, it's, it's just plain idiotic. I mean, anybody that says that doesn't know football. Secondly, you're a coward. Whoever you are, you're a coward. When I say something, here I am, right here. It comes out of my mouth. You see who says it. If you got to make an anonymous quote, then you should keep your mouth shut or somebody ought to put a fist in it, quite frankly, because I'm sure it's off the Oregon staff. I'm sure it's that pussy Dan Lanning and his guys. And I don't know what their beef is, but they need to let it go. You know, the the, the bottom line is whether, whether he holds the ball too long or takes sacks that he shouldn't is – really comes down to his competitiveness and trying to make something happen. He's not trying to make something happen to pad the stats. He's trying to make something happen to win the games. I mean, there's only been one game that coming down at the end wasn't in question, you know, the Nebraska game. So there's really was only one time when, when he could have had actually padded stats uh, every other time they're doing everything they can to try to win. So I don't know. It's just further attacks to me on um, the Sanders family and, and, uh, what Coach Prime is doing here. And, you know, there's, there's been a lot of talk about Shadur in a lot of different ways, and I think most of it's pretty ridiculous. We'll get into the post-game stuff later, so we'll kind of bookend this with uh, yeah. Shadur Sanders' controversy out there. But I, I like Shadur's response to that. He said, quote, whatever coach said that is goofy, he's lame. Right hand to God, he would rather have me than his guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he would rather have me than his guy. Yeah, that's uh, a great response to that. Um, 
I the athletics should not have put that quote out to begin with. No. That was uh, you hear clickbaity headlines. That's a clickbaity quote. And again, going back to kind of what I was saying earlier, you know, you got to use sources in this line of work, but you don't do it for controversial quotes like that. That's yeah, and, uh, that's unethical from everything that I was taught in school. Right. And they ought to have the courage to do the right thing, too. So, you know, cowardice all around. Hooray. But I'm sure it got them a lot of clicks and that's what they were yeah. trying to do. It's kind of sad just where we are with journalism right now. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, I guess my cynical side says that does thing do things ever really change? I don't know. Um, you know, it was always about selling papers even before there was clicks to be had. So there was always people willing to break the rules and break the the ethics and whatever. So I think, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, a- anything about Deion Sanders or his family seems to be controversial to some of these people. And I, I, you know, there's a larger issue there. And, you know, I think it, I think it comes back down to his, his comment or his statement. Uh, and I think I get, got this, I'll try to get this right. He said, you know, don't let my self-confidence, uh, uh, impinge on your insecurities. Yeah. Yes. And that's really what it is. You know, it's like, he's a, he's a, he, you know, he's a confident outspoken black man. And, and so are his kids, you know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it certainly seems to rub the wrong way on some people. But also makes other people just absolutely love Colorado. So yeah. it just, uh, you, you've got staunch supporters and you've got people that are just going to be out there uh, trying to create controversy and that's not going to change. I guess we right. should get used to it and maybe by bringing this up to lead off the podcast, that's the wrong approach. Maybe we should just kind of uh, turn a blind eye to some of this stuff. I don't know. I, I think the longer this coach prime tenure goes on, maybe we will just get used to ignoring some of this stuff. Yeah. I, I think this will become more, you know, first we're, we're, it's the exciting new flavor right now when you're the new thing. And when you're changing, when you're doing things differently and you're changing things, you become a target for people. You know, people don't like change. I mean, it makes them nervous. It makes them concerned. They don't like it. It's like this, Hey, this is not how it's done. How dare you do something different? But as it becomes more the mainstream, it's going to be like, well, why didn't everybody do this? You know? Um, and it's become, I think it's also going to become clear in time. The reason why everybody else didn't do this is because they can't do this because they don't have, you know, the personality and the abilities that he does and brings to the table. Today's episode is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. Is your business looking for financial guidance and support, but not yet big enough to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have a solution for you. Hiring a fractional CFO who can work with your business on a part-time basis. You get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. And here's the best part. It's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with us. For more information or to set up a meeting, please visit MacaulayCapital.com. That's M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y Capital.com. Buffalo started two true freshmen at cornerback on Saturday, which was a little bit of a surprise. And uh, we'll get into Omari and Cooper a little bit later, but. And and, Omari, and, and, and at center too. And at center. Yep. It, it makes you wonder if there was maybe, no, I don't even want to speculate, but um, Van Wells goes in there and plays really well at center. Right. Right. And, and I wanted uh, to wake like a message or wake up call. Kind there of you go. And if it was, it worked, worked out great. Yeah. Cormani struggled. Uh, but instead of just focusing on that, let's focus on what Carter Stoutmeyer is doing as a true freshman, because everybody's so obsessed with Cormani and it's understandable. We built him up, you know, and I work for 24 seven sports. He was a five-star and, you know, that's part of why people are intrigued with his progress early on. But Carter Stoutmeyer has been the most college ready true freshman cornerback on this roster all along. And the only reason that he wasn't out there the previous few weeks is because he was hurt. He played 20 snaps against Nebraska, played a lot against the Sun Devils on Saturday. And uh, he gave up, was in coverage on the late touchdown. But other than that, was really solid in coverage. And uh, he's a guy that folks need to be talking more about. Yeah, and that'll come in time. You know, it, 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 you know, all right, what's the obvious comparison? Speedy Stewart and, and 
uh, Daryl Scott back in the day. Uh, you know, Daryl Scott's the five-star guy. Everybody wanted to talk about him, and nobody really wanted to believe that Speedy was for real, you know, until a season or two in, frankly, um, because he was lightly recruited and, and wasn't the, the, the star coming out of high school. And I don't know, I think people automatically assume that if you got a four or five stars by your name that you're going to start right from day one and be an All-American, and sometimes it takes time. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with Cormani by any means. He showed a week ago what he can do. Now he just got to get more consistent about it, which may have a lot to do why he hadn't played yet. The officials were letting the defensive backs get physical with the receivers. There was a lot, you know, there were a lot of those plays in the first half would have been PI calls in most games, but that really plays into Omari and Cooper's strengths because he's a physical cornerback and so the fact that they were allowing them to get away with a little hand fighting I thought you know lended itself to him having a really really good game yeah and, it, and it's you know it's interesting we're developing cornerbacks like like crazy and you wonder what, 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 what who's gonna do what when uh, um, Travis Hunter comes back but uh, watching watching these guys develop watching Omari and Cooper kind of his game gets better a little bit each each week it's very exciting as to what we're going to be able to do back there, but it also gives you more, more options on the defense. One of the things that was frustrating to me with you got, you got such good coverage cornerbacks and we're still only rushing three and four guys a lot of times. So hopefully I'd like to see them change that all up a lot. Yeah. Cameron Silman Craig with a, a huge hit in the first quarter, breaking up a pass on third down. Uh, what might've been the the highlight, defensive highlight of the game if i think back on that because there were no turnovers no takeaways from the defense yeah uh there was there was some there was some nice there was some good pressure on the quarterback late yeah i gotta tell you uh, when you said started to say the play of the game i thought you were gonna say the head of the game and for the second time in, f- in five weeks the head of the game goes to bishop thomas yes on that on that kickoff coverage yeah <laughs> He got moving pretty pretty good down downfield, didn't he? Yeah, it's like the guy on the replay said, "Ever get hit by a Mack truck?" <laughs> and and had and you know I don't I don't know if he got a penalty for it, but his celebration was kind of cool too. <laughs> the second best celebration of the day, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. So one of the most hotly contested topics with Colorado fans right now is the running back rotation in just the situation there, and. For Saturday, they kind of went to a two-man rotation primarily with Anthony Hankerson and Dylan Edwards. Now, Cavossier-Smoke did come in for one series, but it was generally those two guys. I think you have people that are intrigued with the upside of Alton McCaskill, and that's totally understandable. But my opinion is Anthony Hankerson is kind of the, the perfect back for what they need right now. Not only is he really good in pass protection, but he they need kind of that steady Eddie type of running back that that uh is gonna get a couple yards. Not he has he has not broken a run and he's probably not that type of back, but especially when you get Travis Hunter back, William, there's so many home run threats offensively okay. that I don't think you necessarily need your lead back to be a guy that's breaking off 60 yard runs regularly. What you need him to do is consistently gain yards. And that's what he did on Saturday night in Tempe, that's what he did the prior week when he started to kind of establish himself as his team's top back. I like where what he is for this offense. Now, I think going forward, you want to get Alton McCaskill back in fully because he's got the highest ceiling. But yeah, I, I give me give me Hankerson. L- let me roll with him right now, and I have no issue with that. Well, I think a lot of people. I don't know. You know, there are a lot. Of, there are going to be a lot of people who are not going to like anybody who's from last year. And that's just the way it goes. And and they're going to downplay them and the new guy coming in. And I know McCaskill had big, big stats at Houston. Um, and so I guess it's natural to think that the newer guy is going to be the better guy. But um, Hankerson has really good vision and he has really good patience. And he breaks off a lot of runs that are in the 8 to 15 to 20 yard range. You know, he's not going to be that home run guy. But, you know, he's a guy that moves the chains. If you need if you need one, he's going to get you two, you know, and if you if you need eight, he'll get you nine. And and that's not exciting to people. It's exciting to me because uh, I like that kind of football. But um, he's a guy that's that's patient and lets blocks develops and, and has good vision. And he gets through those holes. Um, 
And, you know, being able to do that is the very first thing, not get hit in the backfield and lose, lose yardage, you know. So um, I, I like what he brings to the table. I think he's a, a good blocker and he all around is a good player. And I think he's getting a raw deal from a lot of people who um, really don't understand what he brings to the table, which is a very, much more complete game. Can you stop running Dylan Edwards between the tackles and still have him uh, as valuable a piece? Is that part of kind of setting up some other plays? Because otherwise it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why they would keep trying that. I don't know why they're doing that. It doesn't work. He's not a guy, he's not a guy who finds those holes inside instinctively the way Hankerson does. And he does much better, you know, on the wheel routes and the swing passes and, and those quick pitches to the outside. Or he might be a guy that if you're going to run up, a little option of the outside would be the guy you want out there, but where you really want to, you where, where his game is, is getting out in the field and making people miss and using his speed, running him between the tackles is kind of silly and stupid to me. If you're going to, you know, that's almost a wasted down. You, you might as well just put McCaskill or smoke in there and give them a shot. I, I would think, but I don't know. You know, there's lots of questions about the coaching decisions, you know, that we don't really know, you know, we'll get to the offensive line and we'll talk about that a little bit mystifying to me, but um, you know, I don't know what decisions are going in, what, 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 what is going into those decisions. So I don't really know, you know, how they got there. Dylan Edwards almost had a big play in the third quarter on the screenplay. And it was certainly not a perfect pass from Shador, but uh, watching that from the press box, there was one guy to beat and that guy was about 10 yards away. Uh, Give me Dylan Edwards in space one-on-one with one guy and, I think the chances were pretty good. He could have housed that, but uh, he had a couple drops in the game. Again, they they weren't perfect passes uh, thrown to him, but it, it was close to it being there for Edwards again on Saturday. Yeah, and then, you know, there was a one play where uh, Arizona State brought two or three guys right up the middle, and Shador just backed up a couple steps and, you know, just pitched a little thing to uh, to Dylan Edwards, and he just using his speed outran the guy and got the first down, yep. you know, down the sideline. I mean, that's really where you want him to be. I mean – so your options in that situation is have him pick up those blisters, which is stupid because he weighs about a buck, buck oh five, or do what you did there, which is get him out behind them and let him do what he does. You know, Shadur took a hit on that, but it was, you know, I don't know that it was necessarily a, a bad, bad one, but it was a really good play for the offense. And sometimes that's what you got to do. If they want to blitz, you make them pay, pay for it. Some issues covering the crossing routes defensively for Colorado again on Saturday. What is the key for a defense in terms of defending that? Well, it depends on what your philosophy is. I mean, if you're going to drop back in a cover two or or something like that, where you're dropping everybody back and letting everything happen in front of you, then you're going to have to put that on your linebackers. Um, and uh, I don't really, I haven't watched it close enough. I'm always seems like I'm always watching the defensive line for the pass rush, and I hadn't had a chance to go back and look at it, but. Um, you know, it's not a hard thing to shut down, quite frankly, you know, walk your linebackers up, put a safety up there, move a nickel up, you know, maybe, maybe go with a middle three zone instead of a, a, a deep zone or something of that nature. Um, or, you know, even, if, even just checking people at the line, um, putting them up and bump and run coverage so they can't just run free. What they what they were doing was, you know, the crossing each other and sort of pit, setting a, a pick in a, in a, in a sense, not the illegal kind, but, uh, confusing the defense because they cross each other. And it's not just crossing the field, it's crossing each other. Um, two receivers sort of making an X across the field that sort of confuses the defense, it seems like. But I didn't think we I think I thought I felt like we adjusted to it pretty well in the second half and shut it down pretty good. There was some confusion late in the first half. Uh folks thought Alden McCaskill had been flagged for an unsportsmanlike conduct and then the TV camera pans to him and he's he's smiling and folks were kind of frustrated about that. But that was Des Moines Kennedy uh, that was on kickoff coverage there. And I rewatched that a number of times. Uh, I get the folks that don't think it should be a flag. You know, the ASU guy was trying to help up his teammate in that situation. So I honestly didn't have a huge problem with that penalty being called because uh, certainly along the sidelines, you, you got to maintain order or things could get really ugly. So uh, I don't yeah. know. Did you have any thoughts on that? It, it was, yeah. it was a boneheaded thing because it helped set up a, an ASU field goal at the end of the first half. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things. I don't know. It's just part of the game to me. It wasn't anything egregious and, and uh, that, that made me think too much about it, to be honest with you. I think, you know, the, the <clears throat> sort of the controversy over, over um, 
uh, somebody smiling on the sidelines was kind of silly and stupid. I mean, what the heck, man? You know, you're out there three hours. People don't just stand there like statues. Well, I think, yeah, the thought would have been had that been on McCaskill, the penalty, you shouldn't be smiling right after you yeah. make a mistake. But yeah, yeah. that was, the, the, I think Pac-12 Network screwed up how they they talked about that. How about Shadur Sanders and the toughness he showed on Saturday? That was, as I said with Brian Howell after the game, the thing that impressed me the most uh, came into the season and Shadur started getting hit. And it was this feeling of, holy moly, one of these is going to go bad and Colorado is going to be uh, down to either a true freshman or walk on play in that position. But he's shown a, an ability to take those hits and not have it affect his play. I don't know if he's, is he in Cepho Lufau toughness range yet? Or I, I think he's, he's venturing close to it. Well, it's a different situation because they're not really running him like a tailback off tackle, like they did repeatedly with Cepho. And so, you know, Cepho, the kind of hits he's taken are different because I think I'm not seeing that uh, Shadur is just standing there, you know, standing tall in the pocket and some guy crushes him from behind, like on um, who, who did we have on a corner blitz that hit uh, Caleb Williams on that one play? I mean, he wasn't taking hits like that, you know, where you know, getting bowled over. Um, a lot of times he sees it coming and he's able to kind of, you know, go down himself before he gets hit. So I don't know that he's taking some of those, you know, straight shots like he would be if, if he was running like a tailback between between the tackles. But, uh, you know, it's, it's something that needs to get fixed and get get taken care of. And we need to protect him a little bit. But uh, he's he's definitely a very tough guy. And, you know, he's not letting it phase him or or or, you know, some people will let it get in their heads and let it affect their game. And he's not that guy. There have been definitely times this season that I've thought the. Too much of the focus was on blaming the offensive line and not looking at the whole picture and saying, okay, well, on a lot of these plays, Shadour is holding on to the ball too long. And he's doing that again, back to an earlier point that he's trying to make a big play. So it's hard to to blame folks in that situation or blame Shadour in that situation. But Saturday was was rough for the O-line because there were plays where, unlike some previous games where he'd have some time but take too long. I mean, there were plays where he didn't even really get to his first option before he was getting sacked or, or trying to get out of there. How did you feel about the the O line on Saturday? Well, I think defensive coordinators have seen what we have, you know, over the first four games, and they're going to come after him now. They're going to send all kinds of crazy blitzes. Um, you know, I saw the one play that everybody saw where uh, uh, Jack Bailey got pushed back like a kid right into Shadur's lap, and and. You know, I've been saying he wasn't big enough for weeks now. You know, I mean, I, I love the game he had against TCU. And since then, he just hasn't been able to, to match that level. And he's not going to get any bigger. I don't know what to tell you. You know, um, I think Reggie Young struggled struggled at the right tackle spot significantly. Um, and they were just, you know, a lot of times they were sending a jailbreak. They were sending six guys against five or they were doing little delayed stunts or whatever. And to some extent, a line should be able to pick up some of that, but they're not going to pick up all of it. And, you know, defensive coordinators are, you know, kind of like sharks. They smell blood in the water and they watch the film and they're like, well, let's go after you. You, you attack the weakest part. You know, you go after the weakest part of the herd. And that right now is, is, is it. And I would think they're going to do all kinds of things over Jack Bailey until he, until they figure something out. And, you know, what, what kind of surprises me, I don't know, you know, I'm looking at the list of all of the guys we got, and, you know, it's like, so, uh, you know, Obviously, Tyler Brown got screwed by the NCAA. David Connor tore a peck. You know, I think he's a high-level talent, so he's not playing. You know, but they brought in all these other guys: uh, uh, Kareem Harden, Jeremiah McCrimmon, Isaiah Jada. Uh, you know, and Reggie Young so far, and and Landon Baby, Jack Bailey. They're all busts. I mean, come on, man! Somebody got to be able to play the damn game up there. Whatever happened to Jack Wilty? He's the biggest of all of them. I can't see somebody pushing him back like like he was a third grader. So I, I don't know, you know, I'm not at the practices. I don't know, you know, how O'Boyle is making his personnel decisions or or what's going on there, but it's got to be frustrating for all all parties involved. You know, those offensive line players themselves, probably just as frustrated as anybody else. Uh, you know, they, they all want to do well. They don't want to look like idiots. They don't want to be, uh, you know, the, the weak spot of the team or be a joke. So I don't know, you know, again, without being, without, I mean, I, I could watch the film and tell you what I think, but uh, 
without being there in practice? I don't know what the answer is because I don't know why, again, with the running backs, you know, I don't know why they're playing who they're playing, where they're playing them. Um, but uh, I don't know, you know, it, 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 we, you go back and it's like, obviously you have to second guess how we went about p- finding our players for the offensive line. I think the defensive line is coming along really nicely and is really starting to develop. And some of those guys mm-hmm. are really, you know, Amari McLean is really starting to develop into a player. And um, um, I'm thinking of uh, 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 Leonard Payne. Der- Derek McClendon has Derek really, McClendon. you know, I wouldn't have thought this before the season, but putting a hand on the ground and, and playing Derek McClendon inside like that has really worked. You know, I wouldn't have expected it to work as well as it has. And he's really become kind of a force in there. Um, you know, a lot, so a lot of the defensive linemen have really worked out quite well. I think even saw Chaz Wallace in there a little bit and he did some things, but I, I, I don't know, you know, when every single guy at a position is not playing well, you got to look at the coach, man. You know, I, I, I don't know what else to tell you. It's like, it's like most things in life. If, if it, it, you know, it's like troubleshooting electronics you know, if everything points to one thing, it's probably that one thing. So I don't know whether that means, Oh, Boyle's not getting the job done or what, but um, we're not getting better. And I don't know what the answer will be, or if there is an answer this year to make us better. So I, I, I'm, I guess the, I guess what I'm really surprised by is that we don't see Wilty at all, given how much uh, Bailey is struggling out there. Saving on Washington was playing well until he got hurt. I, yeah. I think Jared Christian Lichtenhan has had a pretty good season overall. Van Wells, a little up and down, but he had a, a really good game on Saturday. I thought it's it's really been the guards and then lack of depth at tackle, right? But again, right. to your point they're going to attack your weakest link. And so if you've got Reggie young out there struggling at right tackle, that's a clear spot to attack. Yeah. You know, you're going to go after that. And, 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 you know, the, if you have a clear weak spot that you can overload that and then you can, you can, then, then everybody's trying to correct for that and can, and help him out. And then, you know, the whole thing just kind of, it's like, you know, the whole change just kind of comes apart at the scenes because now you're like, instead of I'm just doing my job, I got to make sure I got to help him out, you know? Um, I do think uh, Hank Zelenskis has a bright future, but oh yeah, I mean he's a true freshman right now. If you could yeah. just have him play four games this year and then be able to redshirt him, that would be nice. Well, you know, there's people on the board that are talking silly stuff, like like you know that uh, um, suggesting that he doesn't have a bright as bright future, or that Wells it doesn't isn't that good, or what have you. And um, I, I think uh, they both Wells, I think, has proven he's a very high level player. I think. Lichtenhan is still a very high level player. I still think that uh, Washington is still a high level player, but when you have such weak spots at those guard positions, it makes everybody look bad. I don't know. It's it's like you, you, t- you cut out a piece of a rope and you don't have a rope, right? I, I don't know how to make it more clear, but uh, they need to go out and find some of these guys. I think, you know, it's like, it's clearly having Tyler Brown in at that left guard would have made a big difference. Um, but we don't have them, so we got to figure it out. Yeah. Giovanni Antonio, the best story to come out of Saturday, other than Alejandro Mata's dancing, I guess. Uh, but hey, don't, don't, don't wreck it. We're don't, don't spoil the, the surprise. <laughs> he had a touchdown catch and that long catch that set up the game winning field goal. William, I, I mentioned this again to Brian after the game. Like, I'll be honest, when Omari and Miller came in there against USC replacing Giovanni Antonio after he had struggled in that game, I didn't know if we'd see Giovanni Antonio out there. He goes to practice with the tight ends last week and then, uh, you know, comes out. And I mean, he was lined up as a receiver on pretty much most of those plays, if I remember, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so uh, that was a, a feel good story. And Brian pointed this out. It's like, every win there's this different random player that emerges that maybe you didn't predict coming into the game would have that big moment. It was uh, Dylan Edwards with the four touchdowns, Tavares Dawson uh, with a couple scores and and obviously uh, Omari and Miller the week before. And this was the Giovanni Antonio game. And there was the Mikey Harrison game as well. Right. Yeah. And I, I mentioned that in a post as well saying, you know, um, that, uh, you know, we won the game, we found a new hero and, uh, 
uh, it's kind of exciting all the various different weapons and and you know a lot of times in in seasons past you know if one guy wasn't living up to his ability in a week we're done right well man you know four or five guys you know you got look at how many you got Travis Hunter out and we got other guys struggling and not having and and there's always a guy who steps up and and makes things happen you know and we were all waiting for Antonio we watched him all summer. Uh, do those kinds of things and and here it finally happened in a game where we really needed it yeah what was your confidence level at 50 seconds left in Shador Sanders' run out behind center uh well we were tied right I mean so you know I was like the, my confidence was okay I, I I figured well if we go into overtime we're going to win it 50 seconds okay. is, a, is a short darn time you know it's like I didn't really think we're going to, you know, I, 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 I would, part of the problem is I didn't know what the mindset of Lewis is, you know, are we going to go for it? We, you know, and now if, if prime is calling the shots, I know prime saying, go win the damn thing. Right. Um, but I don't know who's calling those shots at that, at that point, you know? So um, once, once we, I, I think, I think if I'd have known that they were going to try and go for it, I'd have say well, pretty damn good odds. Anytime you're going to line up and let Shadur do his thing, you got pretty good odds of uh, making something happen. You know, can you make it happen in 50 seconds? I don't know. They sure did this time, and it was and it was sure exciting. You know, um, and I don't know. You know, I mean, it's, it's it, uh, you don't have to be an All American quarterback to uh, find Javon Antonio that wide open, though. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, we had we ran a little. I can't remember if it was a screen, a little screen pass or something down there. I think we got. Uh, Anthony Hankerson was about to score and Jack Bailey took him out. <laughs> it's like, oops, come on, man. You know, be physical with the other team, dude. But uh, <laughs> it, it was a, it was a super exciting, fun thing to have happen. And um, I, I just really sort of, it, it again, helps build the faith of this team in each other and their ability to go down and do that kind of thing in a short period of time. So, you know, they're not going to have doubts in their mind when it comes time to do that in the future. Yeah. Shadur said they left too much time on the clock, had to go in Brady mode slash legendary mode. And uh, we had a podcast titled after the CSU game, the legend of Shadur Sanders grows and uh, it, it continues to grow. What was what was your confidence level that Alejandro Mata was going to make that 42 yarder because, you know, he was known coming in as a guy that didn't have the strong leg, but a lot of accuracy 40 yards and in. So this was kind of on the cusp for him in terms of what we had seen in the past. What what were your feelings going into that? Well, okay. It's kind of a trick question because he'd made one before from roughly the same length. Yep. And then he, then, then they called that timeout and he got to kick it. And he made that yep. one. And I was like, he's good. We got okay. this. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, well, that was sort of a cheat, though, because you got to see, oh, oh he's, he's got his head in it. But, you know, you go back and and um, I'm going to blow your mind because I'm going to say wonderful things about a kicker. I love the kid. And and I probably love him because I'm a contrary son of a bitch. And 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 the board just hashed on that guy, you know, and, and just, just pounded him into the ground. Ah, he sucks while you're bringing him in. He can't kick. You know, we got to get all the way down to the five-yard line before we can kick a field goal and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, Coach Prime said, Mata don't miss. And he was right. And there was a reason why he brought him in. Now, you know, if you want to see me get back to my uh, more regular Maximus kicker mm-hmm. outlook, let's talk kickoffs. You want to – are we happy with that? <laughs> I was wondering what the heck is – you got one th- – I don't know. And I don't want to be harsh to that kid. He – looks like a frat boy but um you got one thing to do man kick the ball straight down the field straight and my wife even said why does he keep kicking it out of bounds i said i don't think he's trying to <laughs> yeah that's been rough it's uh made coach prime a, a grumpy man at times he's and where, the, where did this guy come from where, what happened to the other guy they're, they've did... been trying they've been trying different guys to find the consistency and the problem is that all of them have shown the ability to get in the end zone, but none of them have shown the ability to do it consistently. So, yeah, uh, that that's an issue. But Alejandro Mata, we get we can't finish talking about him because uh, uh, well, yeah. Do you ever I see uh, Mata don't miss? Mata don't miss or Auto Mata? Uh, 
did do you ever see on uh sports center when svp does his the best thing i saw today yeah you ever seen that yeah uh yesterday the best thing i saw was definitely interviews with alejandro mata after the game one of them was with uncle neely and he said i have ice water in my veins bro how are they gonna ice you when you're already iced is what he said (laughs) how how are you gonna ice something that's already iced did they show his little dance i'm like i'm like oh my god he got to do an interview with the uh, pac-12 network team that was out there uh, and he did the dance again on TV, and he said that uh, that's something that he likes to do in the shower. So uh, he br- he brought it out to the field for a celebration. Uh, so that was great. How, how many head coaches in the country would tell their kicker to go back out there and celebrate? Well, he almost forced. You know, it looked like he almost had a force. Get you get out, get out there. You get out there and celebrate. And I what I I love that about Prime that he's so enthusiastic and, you know, he's not, a, he's not got a stick up his butt like most head coaches and everybody stand there and, you know, you'll be serious. And, and he lets them have fun and he even encouraged him to go out there and have fun. He got to have his, his moment. Um, you know, and I, I'm sure, I'm sure prime heard a lot of the criticism over the summer when, when he brought him in. So I'm sure, you know, he's a guy that keeps his receipts and I'm sure he remembered that stuff, and uh, that was part of that too. But uh, it, it was fun, and it was exciting, and 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 it was just good to see that. Yeah, that was a, a lot of fun. It, it, it would be cool but, too if. Go ahead. But wait, but that don't mean I'll put him in the top forty next summer. <laughs> what if he does not miss another field goal the rest of the season? You have to, if that's okay. Uh, I don't have to do nothing. <laughs> Well, then I'm going to put him number one on my list just to offset yours. <laughs> what were your thoughts? Oh, gosh, there's there's always something to talk about with this team when a game ends, it seems. So the game is over. And Jordan Dominic picks up the ball. He's kind of celebrating. It looks like he's going to he's try to run it in the end zone, just having fun with it. Cam Scadabo, who, by the way, I love that that young man's game. Like, how fun was it to watch him play different positions? Now, it stinks because it's against your team, but he even had a really nice punt in there. He, he's a he's a really good football player, but he comes back and lays Dominic out. Um, he knew the game. He knew the play was over. Yeah, but that's also over. that's also their their home turf, and you got somebody picking up the ball. I don't have as big a problem with it as I've seen some other people. What what were your thoughts on it? Well, I got a huge problem with it. And and, and I got a bigger problem with the fact thinking how I want to put this, but what what he did is darn near as bad as what Henry Blackburn did in the CSU game. Maybe worse because he came off the sidelines after the game was over, clearly over, and blindsided a guy. It's the act of a coward, number 1, and what really made me upset was that nobody on our team did anything about it. A couple of people got in his face and jaw. They kind of did. There, there was a there was a little scuffle as a result of it. You know, back in the nineties, you'd have done that and you'd have been on your ass and put people standing over you. And you know, we, you know, I don't care if it turns into the Miami brawl again. You don't let people do that to your teammates. And we're kind of a soft team on that on, in, in that regard. And I think that uh, Coach Prime mentioned that with regard to um, helping up Shador, but. Uh, it, it was an outrageous thing for him to do. Outrageous. You ought to get your ass kicked for it. I mean, that, that I'm, I guess I'm old school. I mean, maybe we're all happy and we love each other now. It's kumbaya on the football field, but you come running out of nowhere and blindside a guy like that and knock him on his, you know, head over tea kettle. That, that, that's just wrong. Um, and I think it is a big deal. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what possessed him to do that. Well, yeah. You know, I think he could make the argument that he didn't hear the whistle and didn't know what was oh, happening. Yeah. Nobody, but, nobody can make that argument. Yeah, I, well, I think he he could he would try to do that, but I think if you watch it, it's pretty obvious that he knows that it's just a celebration situation. But um, I, there, there's part of me that understands that wants to to defend your home turf. Well, yeah, uh, okay, but you know, so. Does that, does that justify me and punching some Nebraska guy in the face? At, you know, if they win and they're taunting me after the game? No. Same thing. It's exactly the same thing. You know, you have to control, as an adult, you have to control 
you know, the things that you want to do in, in, in those kinds of situations and you have to have the, the self-control now. And I'll throw this. Let's let, let's say that Shadur or Shiloh had done it. Tell me what, what would be in the national media now? And we both know the answer. It'd be the biggest thing in college football right now, but you know, some little goofy white kid does it for Arizona state and it's no big deal. Moving on to another post-game topic that drew some criticism slash drama was Shador's post-game celebration going over to the ASU student section and holding up his Rolex. And this has uh, become known as doing the Shador. Uh, and it's cool to see how that's really taken off nationally. Uh, William, I've not been on the field a whole lot with this football team, but I go down pregame for sections of time. Some of the things that I've heard on the road, more so at TCU and Arizona State, that are directed at these guys, like it's some really vulgar, vulgar, nasty, sometimes racist stuff that is despicable. Now it's the vocal minority within that crowd. You know, I don't think most of the folks are being disrespectful, but I, people that are criticizing what Shadur did. Uh, I bet if they were down on the field on the sideline the whole game and heard some of that stuff, they would not have as big an issue with it. And in fact, maybe even applaud Shador for having a smile on his face when he's doing that. You know, it's it wasn't an aggressive act. It was uh, we beat you and you guys ran your mouth all game. And I'm going to let you know that I'm enjoying this moment. And I love it, honestly. Yeah. And, and, and in a sense, you know, when he's doing that, you know. In a different sort of a way, it's like, you know, you know, the, the old chant scoreboard, scoreboard, scoreboard. Yeah. Well, scoreboard, yeah. scoreboard, because, you know, I'm getting paid and you're not. So, um, you know, being the veteran of a lot of sidelines, man, and, you know, as a coach and a player. And and I could tell you the things I have heard um, and many of them from players, parents, you know, and family and uh, otherwise grown adults. uh I don't think most people would believe some of the things that are yelled at players on the field, on the sidelines before and after games and, and during games, um, you know, and how, how does that even happen? Because if I'm in a game and somebody's running their mouth like that next to me, it's going to be a hard time, you know, just letting them continue to do that. You would think, I mean, I, you know, I was, I, my best friend, uh, it, you know, he was from Ann Arbor and he's a big Michigan fan. So we went out to the Rose bowl one year and, and, uh, that, uh, uh, Michigan was playing Texas in the Rose Bowl at, you know, mid 2000s, I guess. And there was this Michigan fan just running his mouth and being an ass and just cussing and just being a jerk. And, you know, after about about halfway through the second quarter, all the other Michigan fans just turned to him and said, shut up or get out. And he shut up, you know, and so people took it police, sort of police them, themselves, you know, Um but it was it, it yeah it's kind of nuts the things that get heard down there and said and whatever and and I don't know you know it's like as a guy I I was in the student section at CU the day that Brian Bosworth was given the middle finger you know came over to the student section I mean literally right down below us right there at the goal line in that in that uh, south end and was given the business to the to the whole student section and I mean, he knew he knew he was doing it to rile things up and kind of incite a riot and whatever you know so when i look at shadur and he's holding his watch up that's eh, kind of tame i don't know you know i don't know how it happened the first time i don't know was that nebraska i guess or i don't know whether that was yeah it was it was pre-game pre-game nebraska game when they supposedly tried to pray i don't buy that <laughs> it yeah. didn't look like it didn't look like that's what they were going to do right. uh and Shadour held up his uh, watch to a, a Nebraska player, and that's that's what started it. Yeah, and I think, and I think, a, you know, the sort of a tribute to his sense of humor that he, you know, he's making fun of it now. You know, I mean, if you, if you don't realize that he's making fun of that at this point, you're kind of slow. You know, I mean, he's making fun of that whole controversy and and also poking fun at at, at those uh, students that were chanting overrated and over all that sort of stuff. So, and he, you know, they're all chanting overrated and he's like, mm, now I got this. So maybe I'm not. Coach prime said, wonderful win played like hot garbage. And I'm trying to figure this out. Sick of it. I really am. I'm sick of us coming out here and putting forth the effort we put forth in the first half. Uh, I've been asked on the radio quite a few times during interviews, 
what does Colorado need to do to fix their slow starts? And I say, well, if I knew the answer to that, I would be getting paid a lot more money. And if Colorado's staff knew the answer to that, they would have fixed it already. I don't know how you fix that. Colorado is a second half, fourth quarter team right now. Now you want to reach your goals going forward. You got to fix that. Is there anything you've ever done or seen coaches do when this is an issue? Is there anything that can be done other than um, just continue to go through the process and hoping it break, breaks through one of these weeks? Well, I think, you know, one of the things we hear from that Lewis doesn't script his, his initial set of plays, and that's my, maybe maybe one answer is, you know, you script out your first 14 plays or whatever, and then you practice them, and then you just go out and run those. Um but I don't I doubt I don't think it's going to I don't think it's a problem of motivation. I mean, Prime seems to be a very excellent motivator. So I don't think that they're coming out flat. Uh, it just seems they don't ex- they don't execute the way they do. When they're when it's a crisis, you know, it's, it's I, I don't know, it's, it is again, I get back to the, you know, the, the mental game that's part of football and when it becomes, you know, win or, you know, get this done or we lose then they can buckle down and bear down and, and, and make things happen, you know, and may, I don't know, maybe it's, I, I haven't analyzed, maybe the play calling is different in the first quarter. I, I don't know, you know, maybe the, maybe the offensive and defensive coordinators are more conservative I, I, than they are when, when the game's on the line. So I haven't really analyzed it that closely to uh, tell you what's different. Um, that's observably different between the beginning and the end, but uh, they I, I don't know the answer either. If, if if Prime doesn't know the answer, then I certainly don't know the answer. Yeah, I mean, you'd rather have a team that slows, starts out slow and is clutched down the stretch than vice versa. But yeah. obviously the thought is, okay, if uh, they continue to warm up as the game goes on, if they're just not quite so awful at the beginning, when right. you start playing some of these teams coming up, Oregon State and, and Utah – uh, on the road at Washington State, Th- those are just games you're not going to be able to to build a big deficit. And uh, Arizona State and Colorado State are not great football teams, and that's why you're able to offset yeah. that and come back. And I, yeah, that's certainly going to be the concern going into the bye week. We'll see. This Friday is going to be interesting, William, because Stanford's coming off a bye, and the Buffaloes have a shorter week with right. one less day to prepare. This part of the season, is there an edge to be gained for Stanford as a result of that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think everybody's looking like, look, look, look at us looking to get to the bye and get some people back. You know, ours a little later in the season. So you get more healing time. But, you know, that that bye week is sort of a it's a recharge week. You know, you don't go quite as hard in the off week, but you also fine tune some things and you work more guys in uh to reps who, who maybe didn't get as many reps and um see if you can't develop your depth and work on things that were problems you know as, as, uh it's certainly an advantage to them that we have a short week when they have a long week because you know we don't have we're gonna have no time whatsoever to correct much from saturday because it's just really dive immediately right into stanford and get ready for them but um you know luckily i they're they're looking like they're living up to what there was expected to be one of the worst teams on our schedule. So that gives us a little bit of an advantage, but you have to be ready and take it serious. And I don't know. I, I think people sometimes make more of it than it is. It's an advantage to have that extra week. You know, it's a disadvantage to have a short week, but I don't know. That's part of the game and you deal with it. It'll be interesting to see what the ratings are this week. It's a Friday night and that's a night when you know, a lot of folks aren't at home, but it's also, I would imagine the only decent football game on in that time slot. So, right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think every, and I, I didn't see what the ratings were for the Arizona state game, but you know, so far this season, we've been the hottest thing in, in college football and everybody's tuning in to see, you know, and as long as we keep winning and playing competitively outside of one game, I think that that that's going to continue. I, I think that the, you know, the prime effect story is still a big story. Um, you know, it, it's it certainly, it, it's lost that sort of monumental tidal wave sort of aspect to it. And it's kind of come back down to reality a little more, but it's still a huge and exciting story, you know? And uh, I don't know. That's what I, that's what I'm on the board. I'm kind of like, man, I, I, so much angst and, and anger and so many things wrong, you know, and we're a four and two team coming off of really a, 
you know, I, I, you, an argument can be made. It was an 0-12 season because we got damn lucky to win that one, you know, and, and they weren't even competitive games. And now to be 4-2, and two, um, I don't know. I, I, I just think people should enjoy it more. Do you want me to let you in on a secret? What's that? People love to complain. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, I was in the Navy and the Marine Corps, man. I know complaining. <laughs> it doesn't, it is, yeah, it's not even, uh, it doesn't matter what your social status is, uh, right. where you live. Everybody bitches and complains about everything. And uh, as I get older, I'm fighting so hard become, to, to become that person. I don't want to be that person that is yeah. just old and grumpy all the time. And it actually kind of rubs me the wrong way now if somebody starts to complain i just kind of shut them out sometimes unless now don't get me wrong there's valid things to to complain about Mm -hmm. Uh, but i would say the vast majority of things people complain about they probably should just move on and reframe their life a little bit well my grandpa always used to say if you gave everybody if you gave every every person in america five hundred dollars most of the sons of bitches would complain that it wasn't a thousand yeah yeah it's true well hopefully there's less to complain about for Colorado fans after Friday night's game, because uh, it sure would be nice to go into the bye week uh, covering a five and two team and uh, be, be looking at uh, the second half of that schedule, trying to figure out yeah. when bowl eligibility is coming. Right. And, you know, one thing we didn't mention, it just sort of, sort of occurred to me is um, uh, I love those shiny black helmets with the Chrome gold face mask. That was sharp. I re- that was really yeah. cool. It kind of like a, I said, the wife kind of looked like a Porsche or a, or a Ferrari or something. So. Yeah. I have a feeling though, they're, they're probably going to want to upgrade their uniforms a little bit just to give yeah. it a, a little fresher look. The The yeah. helmets were awesome though on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. That was fantastic. And that, that was a lot of fun, but yeah. And you look at the season and, you know, I, I, there's a lot of teams that we could lose to, but there, there isn't any team that we autumn that looks to me like an automatic loss. Every one of these teams has, has some, some issues and some flaws and we seem to be getting better as each week goes along. Um, and I think that there are solutions for some of the things that we are doing. You know, one thing like I, one thing I don't really quite understand is that the running game works pretty well when they use it. Mm-hmm. So use it more, you know, I mean, that we haven't been shut down in the run game the last couple of weeks that I've noticed that when we want to run it, we run it. We were, you know, getting five, 10 yards, two, three, four, five, 10 yards a shot. And I don't know why they don't do that more. I think, you know, one of the, one of the purposes for uh, quality control and analyst positions is to scout you, right. You know, so scout, and somebody should be looking at us and, and saying, here's, here's the things that we're doing well and let's do more of that. Yeah, uh, a steady dose of Hankerson against Stanford would seem to be a, a decent recipe yeah. going into this game. Well, and it, you know, give Shadur a little bit of a rest, and then you know, maybe not so much pressure on him or whatever. And yeah, just uh, do something a little different. Who's going to be the breakout star on offense this week? Maybe like a Bishop Thomas fullback touchdown run. Um, you know, I noticed they 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 uh, are using him, and um, I want to say. Copes. I, Shane Cox uh, on that unbalanced line on the goal line, which is a lot of fun. Uh, there was there was that one jet reverse to um, Xavier Weaver, Weaver yep. and 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 those guys blasted open a hole on that side, which is a lot of fun. So maybe this is the week that Bishop gets his touchdown. I would love hey, to Coach. call it the the Bishop Thomas game. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Hey, coach, coaches, give Bishop the ball. Give the big man the rock. <laughs> That would be a lot of fun. Awesome, uh, William. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you as always uh, for for joining me. And uh, as always, thanks everybody out there for tuning in.